Well, shout out, it's Cindy Tonner's birthday today. Bam. But I'm going to talk about another Cindy, not Cindy Tonner, to start us off. So I'll tell you a bit about Cindy. Cindy was no one special, but through an unbelievably magic experience, is transformed so drastically that the ultimate bachelor catch becomes enamored with her. They spark up solid conversation, but she needs to dip from the party before her midnight curfew, and in the rush, accidentally, she leaves her shoe behind. In classic male fashion, the bachelor, who also happens to double as a prince first in line to the throne, doesn't think to ask her name. But thankfully, because clumsy Cindy leaves her shoe behind, the prince has a chance to find her through a process of foot elimination. Sounds brutal, but it's just uh, like Foot Locker, right? Trying on shoes. Lots of other things happen in this story. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, But spoiler alert, the prince gets hold of Sydney. Sorry, Sydney, Cindy. She tries on the shoe like she's trying on shoes in a shop, and it fits. They get married, and I'm assuming they live happily ever after. Now, why did I start by talking about Cinderella? Well, I'm a girl dad, so I've, I've learnt about Cinderella quite a lot. But one focus of this story is that Cinderella is all about the shoe that fits, right? The shoe that fits. What shoes are you wearing tonight? Are you wearing sandals tonight? The shoe that fits. You know, without the shoe, the prince doesn't find his bride. Cindy doesn't get married into royalty. And the story is an epically pointless and boring story. Okay? But where am I going with this? Well, there's a shoe that fits our church. Okay? And the shoe that I'm talking about, it puts us in this beautiful position for close, deep, intimate relationship with the king of the universe. Because it's his heartbeat. It's who he is. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this later on, but the shoe is actually better seen as what's known as a mantle. I'll define that a bit later, but it's a mantle that is given by God and revealed throughout our history, and I'm talking about specifically Penrith Imaginations Church history, right? Our history through our leadership that we've been blessed with over the decades And through many open doors of opportunity that are only possible because of God leading us and opening those doors, both in the wider world and also within this church and in this city, right? It's a mantle given by God. No other shoe quite fits the same. And that shoe is missions. And more specifically, the mantle of giving to global and local missions, and going on missions. It's the give and go of missions. That's the mantle that's on this collection of people who are gathered here in Penrith. It's what Isaiah prophesied and what Paul re-emphasized as the beautiful feet of those who bring the good news. It's the gospel to everyone everywhere. And I believe he wants to light us on fire once again for the mantle that's around our shoulders that fits so easily in this place more than anything else, the mantle on our feet, so to speak. So the title of this message is Our Mantle is Missions. 
And we're going to look at a, a short passage from Paul in his letter to the uh, Philippian church. And what we're going to see in this passage is that Paul really loves this church. And it's clear that the Philippians really love Paul. And it's seen most clearly through their financial giving, their support of Paul. And it really seems like our church, Imaginations Church, has a really similar mantle to the Philippian church. And it's really cool. And so we're just going to look at 10 verses. And I'm hoping that some stuff for yourself jumps off the page. But I'm also going to pick through a few things that we see here. So let's read this passage together from Philippians chapter 4. It says, and this is Paul speaking. How I praise the Lord that you, the church, are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learnt how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learnt the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. And he's locked up in jail again. Verse 15, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news, sorry, brought you the good news and then traveled on to Mas from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was with you in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. And I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. I am generously supp supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. In this little passage, there's three distinct sections. They're all dripping with Paul's gratitude for God, but also his gratitude for this church in Philippi. In verses 10 to 14, we've got the secret source of Paul's life to live content, you know, to live whether he's got a full belly or an empty belly, pockets full of money or nothing at all. There's something more than this, and it's actually having faith in God, right? That's the thing that whether we're full or empty, we can continue to remain content, not overwhelmed with what life throws at us. So there's a lot in that. In verse 15 to 17, we see Philippi's love for Paul, that their finance was a, a sweet offering of sacrifice and love to this church. It was more than just a handout. It was a deep passion welling up from a deep love where they first received the gospel from Paul. That was their response. And then in 18 to 20, we see what is really Paul's glorious supply chain, which is actually the father himself having trust that God would provide always for his need. And the church of Philippi was the one who was led by the Spirit to supply for him. 
So I want to dig a little bit deeper in this passage here and, and maybe just throw out a few questions to get us thinking tonight. You know, Paul gives glory to God because of the compassion of this church for his needs. In verse 10, it's like their concern for him has put him in a really amazing praise mood, right? They're just, he's just so grateful to God that he's supported by this church. But he's also a seasoned missionary, and he knows to rely on God to remain content regardless of his needs. So he's not dependent on the church, like fully, totally dependent, because he knows where his supply comes from, right? Now, this supplying of his needs is actually more than just money for Paul. What usually came with this whole full stomach and financial provision was actually a whole bunch of fellowship as well, okay? Like going between different homes in the church, receiving fellowship, receiving encouragement, love, a safe place, a place where there can be a relax or there can be some, you know, fellowship. And I imagine that the life of a missionary, especially traveling between city to city, never putting down roots anywhere and then ending up in jail a whole bunch of times as well, can be, I imagine, a pretty lonely experience, right? So the the Philippians are providing more than just financial stuff, right? And I witnessed this when I was in Mexico, okay? There was multiple times where I had the chance to chat with Heidi and Daniel at different points. And the theme that came up of what they really missed in COVID time was not so much the financial stuff, even though that was a huge thing, and I'll talk about that a bit later, but it was actually the fact that for we were the first trip that they had in like two and a half years, and they had a constant stream of teams, friends, but also churches coming to spend time with them, fellowship with them, hang out with their kids, all of that shut down. And what they really longed for and missed was the fact that they were somewhat isolated. I mean, they've got a church family there, but that overwhelming joy and gratitude that comes when a team travels down and ministers with you, it's, it's something more than just finance, what we're doing in missions, right? So here's what I think the Spirit's asking us through His Word tonight from just these small little bits. How well do I show love for my brothers and sisters in Christ? And how much do I trust God to provide for the needs that I have? Here's what I think is a reality, this side of eternity. And Paul experienced this. Sometimes, and hopefully not all the times, but sometimes when you're on mission for God... Sometimes all you've got is God and you live on almost nothing and fellowship is few and far between. You feel isolated, you feel alone, maybe doors are closed. But ultimately, just like Paul, what the Word is really trying to align us to tonight is that our trust is in Father Our trust is in our heavenly Father, and it needs to remain there, whether things are plenty or full, whether we have companionship or not, because the truth is, when you're a Christian on mission, you are never alone. With the compassion, 
and the, the, the warmth of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in you, even if you've got no one else with you doing it. Amen? But the Spirit, I think, is also really challenging us, and it's a bit of a deeper level because we're seeing a level of sacrifice from the Philippians. And it's this question. Do I have a here-to-serve-no-matter-the-cost attitude? And is my reason for this attitude because Christ is worth whatever cost it is? You know, Jesus talks about the, um, the four seeds, right? And there's the seeds of uh, the worries of this world choking out the seed of faith. And the worries of the world can be anything from, you know, finding a life partner to, you know, having a massive injury to you know, providing for family, finding a house to rent, knowing what to do when you finish school, whatever it may be, those, those worries can be um, like thorns that choke out the seed of faith and actually prevent you from mission, right? But sometimes those things are the cost of being on mission. And that a mature faith is one that realizes that even when there is worry, there is a peace of God that transcends all understanding that can allow you to continue to work and to be on mission regardless of whether your stomach is empty or full. You know, I think what I'm witnessing, and maybe you witness this too, but because I work on staff and, you know, we have people who serve in youth and um, I guess I'm working from a different level, there's a sense that there, there can be a decrease, or I've seen a decrease in passion for the collective mission of the church, the collaborative mission of the church. I think through COVID, we got really close to Jesus, and we maybe reassessed, you know, our walk with Him, and roots went down a little bit deeper, but we're not yet recovered to that, like, collective mission, that when we unite together, we can do so much. And it's actually the mantle that we hold together to do this. And there's heaps of reasons why this could happen. Trust me, there's, there's a million reasons why life can get really worrying and busy. But I just hope that we don't lose the collective church, believers together, winning our city, making disciples, partnering together. Our, our collective, uh, sorry, our individual walk with God is super important, okay? It's the foundation of our communion together. But we're a church called to win our city together, and we're planted here for that reason. So that's just a little side note, but I'm going to keep going through this passage. It says in uh, verse well, 15 to 17, and this is where the, the word really challenged me, um, you know, Paul points out that the Philippi church were, in his words, the only church to financially support him. It's clear that the Philippians took on a burden for Paul. And I would say the burden is actually more like that mantle that I was talking about, okay? Now, mantle, the picture that I have of a mantle is like a sweet-looking robe, right, that you put over your shoulders, whatever that comes to mind, gold encrusted or whatever. Um, but mantles are a really common 
a symbol of leadership, you know, throughout the Old Testament, the Levites who were the carriers of the ark, their mantle, their tribe was, their only job was to carry the ark. If another tribe carried the ark, they would die instantly. (laughs) So pretty important for the Levites to do their job and other people not to do the Levites' job. But it's a mantle that came on them and they executed it. And what I was saying earlier is that this church has a mantle, the giving and going missions mantle. And we see this, that Paul says that the Philippians financially gave when he was in town, opening homes, providing meals, and presumably when he left, sending them off with everything that he needed for his travels. And they embraced generosity. But not only that, and this is bad English, they goad. Multiple times when Paul was ministering 160 kilometers away, and you can put up that sweet map, right? From Philippi to Thessalonica, 160 kilometers here to Newcastle, give or take, okay? Not only did they give when he was in town, but they sent out people like Epaphroditus and others to get stuff to Paul. I mean, I don't know why Thessalonica couldn't support him, but they had this burden to not only give, but to go to where he was ministering. And it also says throughout Macedonia as well. So even when he moved on from Macedonia and went to some of these other places, Corinth, Ephesus, there was a heart, a burden in them to support Paul. Amazing. And super hard without, you know, Corollas to drive there and support. It's all foot traffic, right? There and back for months, by sea even. So it's clear that this church, and I believe spirit-led because it's in God's word, were, were led to support Paul to the ends of the earth, right? To the ends of the earth. And that's us. That's Imagination's church. Our giving and going is our efforts to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gives his followers. And it didn't matter if other churches were giving or going or not, right? It mattered that we are giving and going because that's the mantle that we're carrying on us, right? And so Paul wanted to acknowledge their work, not just to get more support from them because Paul knew their heart, right? Paul knew, he didn't have to ask, right? But he wanted them to receive a reward for their kindness. And the reward is from God himself, who was pleased with their sacrifice. In giving and going, they were storing up treasures in heaven. And needs were being met because God gives and goes with us. That's what we trust. That's what we believe. So our mantle is the Philippians mantle. It's the we give to missions mantle. It's the we go on mission mantle. And we've got three opportunities next year. We plant churches. Actually, sorry, we've got three opportunities overseas. And then we've got opportunities every single week, every single day in this city. I'll just say that. But anyway, I'll stick on missions, global We do acts of mercy, we lift up, we provide. It's our contribution to the kingdom. You know, each church has mantles. 
and you can see it. You know, some, some churches, their mantle is an absolute desire to equip people with a, uh, a deep reverence for God's word or a, a passionate expression of worship um, or ministering to like a, a small group of broken people in a certain, like through a certain stream or a certain thing that's happened in their life. And I pray that we, in the many gifts that we have in here, we embrace all of those things, of course. But there's very clearly the mantle for giving and going of missions in this church. It's the way the river flows. And when you jump on this boat and you become a part of this family, it's, it's hard to swim against the current in which we're going, right? We are going on mission. It's our focus. It's what we feel is a conviction given by the Spirit. Amen. There's always one thing that comes back into our hearts in Imaginations Church more than anything else, and it's the global missions, to see the gospel go to everyone, everywhere. I'm going to ask the team to come up tonight, and as we finish our passage tonight, it's not just that we have a passion for money to go to workers to work in the field. It's far more than that. But it's a passion for these gospel workers to be abundantly and generously and consistently supported. In verse 18, Paul describes that he has been generously supplied by the Philippians. That because of the gift of Epaphroditus traveling to where he is right now, he's got everything that he needs and far more to continue his mission. And at least three separate times in this passage alone, the Philippians have provided for him. And this is, again, a story that came up in Mexico. Talking, you know, to Dan and Heidi, um, it seemed like they were, you know, sort of missing people. So they were just sharing about everything, like telling, talking for hours to us and me individually about a whole bunch of different things. And one of the things that they mentioned about COVID was the fact that during the whole COVID time, a lot of their support financially dried up, right? Where they would receive, you know, maybe a couple of, um, you know, one-off offerings from different churches or individuals, um, you know, a lot of the, the support sort of stopped, okay? But Heidi mentioned to me that we as a church, we give the most to them, we give the most to them on a monthly basis. And we continued to give nonstop throughout all of COVID when a lot of their, their giving stopped or paused, right? And boy, for them, did they describe how much of a blessing it was to know that there is a church. And I'm sure that there were others as well, but there was a church that they could rely on, that they knew that they had, whether it was plenty or little, right, they had this supply to keep going. And if you drive through Mexico, you see that, man, they're out there picking strawberries for absolutely nothing, you know, six days a week, 10 to 12 hours. The, the giving, you know, capacity of those people to supply for what they do is just amazing, honestly, like the different 
cities that they're in and the travel that they make between those cities. And Heidi and Dan are traveling between their three campuses. They're speaking, they're ministering every single day, right? It costs money to do that. But they were richly and generously supplied by us. We kind of feel like, well, I kind of feel like we have that, like we're that one church. We've got that one church mantle, you know? That when we partner with you, we're in it for the long haul, right? That long obedience in one direction that we speak about. So that's our mantle, guys. That's our mantle. And I mean, to sum it up, our mantle is missions. We give and we go. It's the shoe that fits us. And we're convinced that it's the Spirit of God that has lit a fire within us for this ministry. So I'm going to invite you just to stand tonight and I'd love to just have a time with, you know, Jonah playing these nice soft chords to allow so many different things that I've chucked out from the Word tonight, maybe to settle a little bit on your heart and just ask a few questions that are designed to allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts. From that thing that I shared at the start of us wanting to as living stones, build and unite together in the mission that we have as a church, as a body of people together. So how about you just close your eyes and get into your own space. And I'm just going to ask a few questions and just pray through some of them. Question number one is this, am I called to this church? Am I called to this group of believers imperfect yet seeking the perfection of Jesus following the perfect one am I called to this church two do I give financially to missions do I give biblically with wisdom with generosity with consistency, but also not under compulsion? Do I decide to give to support the work that we're called to do? Three, do I go on mission? Both locally in what I do on a week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis here in this little patch of planet Earth, but also with planning and provision globally as well. Do I have a heart to go into the nations of the world and represent this body of believers, maybe together in a small team to encourage the partners that we partner with? Four, what's next for me? to support the mission of this church? What gifts am I refining right now? Or maybe I'm holding back. Or maybe I just need someone to fan into flame to make this body of Christ more glorious than it has ever been. What gifts do I have? What time do I have? What opportunities are before me? to support this body of believers? And then final question, 
Do I have a here-to-serve heart? Do I have a here-to-serve heart? With Jesus, the big brother as our example, washing feet, do I have a here-to-serve? This place, this church, but also this beautiful city that we call Penrith. So Father God, we come before you, Lord, as your church gathered here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that whatever you're seeking to do in us individually, that while we desire to be individually built up and and have our own giftings and goals and plans, that there'd also be a desire to contribute to the collective with the the gifts that we have, the spiritual gifts that we have, to, to be like living stones, not dead stones or stones that are just stacked up in the corner, but stones that are well and truly part of the kingdom wall, well and truly alive and being shaped by you, refined by you, all of it for your kingdom come and your will be done. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.